Welcome to Back to the Point. My name is uh, David. Whoa. I mean, Migs. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. I think it's called because you called me David uh, before we started the podcast. So, yeah. So I was like, that's my a... name. Yeah. Now the secret is out. Ah. It's a way to like show seriousness is when <laughs> I call you. It's like when your parents are like, first name, middle name. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's really bizarre when you call me David. But, just um, call me by not your nickname, and it's, it's the same thing. It's become bizarre enough where I, <laughs> when I say it out loud to myself, it sounds a little strange. Well, I don't do that often, right? I guess in this context, in this context, it seems strange. But yeah. anyway, let's not get sidetracked too much with uh, what I go by. Yeah, let's get uh, focused on being sad. Let's let's redo this. Welcome to Back to the Point. My name is Migs, and uh, the other guy talking to me is Ian, and we are co-hosts. And uh, we are here to discuss the salt that keeps on getting poured in the open wound of the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> it is very painful right now, what's going on. And we talked before, this is definitely going to be a sad cast, it's a sad uh, cast for sure. which I didn't know was a thing until you had said it. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a thing, but it just sounds right. Yeah. it's uh, It's been a rough week, I would say, in, in Sharks territory. It's been rough for a while, but the hope was like, oh, they'll turn it around. And then, you know, they have a game or two where they win or two. And this, you know, the more on the... Uh, the the bad stuff goes on, the less your hope, you know, just starts to erode away and you realize that nothing's actually going to change. Or if it is, it's not going to be enough, stuff like that. I so. I think it's hard to accept because Ooh. we're used to the Sharks. It's hard to accept that the Sharks are bad because they've been good for so long. Yeah. But the Sharks are bad. Like They're really bad. They're like a bad team <laughs> this year yeah <laughs> and they shouldn't be like on paper Mm-mm. they shouldn't be but for all intents and purposes w- with the way they're playing like their team game isn't good people aren't individually playing well they're very streaky not and most of the time it's bad streaks i wouldn't when even had, say streaky well when they've had the good streak they got away with some overtime wins i mean yeah, but even a streak – to me, a streak is when you get, like, five in a row or something. If you win four in a row and then – I guess you're right. They're I guess like a right. dotted They line, seem to win right? a few in a row and then lose a few in a row, even if it's not, like, an extended number. <laughs> They're like a dotted line where the dots are yeah. smaller and some wins, and then the spaces are larger and losses. <laughs> so yeah. if you want to think about streaks as, a, you know – dots along the path with with some good moments but it's really ultimately you want to be entertained as a fan and mm-hmm. they just have not been putting a good on ice product this year and yeah. you think about the context historically where the team has been recently over the last decade or two and i mentioned how we've been spoiled and you know a team's going to go through difficult times but those are they're difficult times. That's what it. <laughs> that's what yeah. it is. And uh, in the past, we saw an exciting team game. I mean, they were the team that would generally put up 
more shots than the other team. They had an exciting power play. They were dangerous. And this year they are struggling. They're getting beaten in a lot of ways. Yep. I'm, sorry, I'm, starting very, I'm starting very generally. Just I'm just being yeah, sad right we're now. We're warming up. We should, we should get more specific in a moment. But yeah, I mean, I just need a vent. So the whole season has just gone very poorly from the start. It just dramatically terrible from the get go, and uh, then it was surprising how bad we were. And then November was a breath of life. December again went poorly. DeBoer fired. Bugner in still went poorly, which was surprising because most of the time when a coach gets fired, there's like a revitalization. I just like didn't happen, which was a bit surprising and kind of showed that, hey, maybe it wasn't just the coach, which we all kind of knew. But generally, like a new coach seems to like fix some problems. And that was just like literally like nothing was fixed for a little while. So that was scad. And then it's just nothing's really changed at all. And the team looks pretty much exactly the same, you know? With That's how they play was... or the, the roster? What are you referring to? Yeah, I'll, I'll say both things. Like, DeBoer... <clears throat> Bugner is a little bit different from DeBoer. Like, he does do some things differently. But on the ice, all you really see is that they don't fire it from the point as much. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're watching the games, it's really not much different. Um, Nabokov was brought in as the goalie coach. He's helped Dell for sure. Seems like Jones is almost like unrecoverable, at least this season, which is sad. He's lost his starting job very clearly to Dell. They brought in Roy Sommer and Mike Ricci to help the players that they previously had just coached on the AHL. Um, and then some of the younger players were brought in right away, and then they haven't been playing at all, which which is pretty sad. So, yeah, yeah it's just been the same uh, older player roster, and people like Gambrell and Blickfield and uh, some of the other people just, like, aren't even getting any minutes at all. Just last game, there was uh, um, a slight flu going around that was mentioned a little bit, but they still dressed eleven forwards and none of eleven forwards instead of twelve, and then playing with an extra defenseman, giving Heed his first game in a while, and uh, they still didn't play Suomela or Blickfield or Cambrell. They just said we're not, we're not going to play any of you, and they only dressed eleven forwards. So that was pretty sad. It seemed like the nail in the coffin on that kind of debate. Yeah. So what do you what do you think are some of the biggest problems in performance on ice play strategy? <clears throat> I don't want to talk about I don't really want to talk about roster makeup too much because I think that's probably low on the list, but like what do you think the sharks just aren't doing? What do you think are the main things that the sharks are not doing well enough that has led to them? I like to hear what so you poorly think. this season. On that. You want to hear what I have to think first? Yeah. Yeah, well, just asking this question, I know that there's a lot of problems, but I, I, what I wanted to know from you is what do you think some of the main issues are? But trying to be a little bit introspective myself, <clears throat> I believe I would mentioned this to you the other day when I was watching one of the games. I can't remember who they were playing, but 
there's that element of the sharks losing battles in different ways. Um, that was one thing that I've noticed. It's, it's been hard to put like a clearly defined term or explanation to this, but I've noticed that whether the sharks are in the defensive zone or in the offensive zone, they're just very prone to not getting inside body position. Essentially they're losing one-on-one battles and, um, you know, battles with the makeup in the zone that will help them get the, get the puck back in their possession and get it out of the zone quickly and efficiently when they're in the defensive zone. And then when it comes to the offensive zone, being in the right places. So they have the chance to get uh, second and third opportunities off of, you know, be it shots from the point, like it's been traditionally recent recently over the last few years or um, from cycle play. I think something we've seen a lot this season is that they just, go and they expend some effort, which, you know, the effort doesn't seem a hundred percent all the time either, but you know, they're trying to get something going and, and things kind of die out pretty quickly in the offensive zone. They, they, they're one and done, or, you know, they try to get the puck back, but the team or the other team retrieves it. And then conversely, the opposite is happening to them. Like they can't do what other teams are doing to them and, and clean up in the defensive zone, they get boxed out and teams are just laying it on them. And I'm seeing that pretty consistently. It's, it's, it's a quality that probably comes down to, you know, what are the elements I was thinking that the sharks are not the fastest team. They, they're, they're probably not the slowest, but they're maybe on the bottom end. Like they don't have enough really fast streaky players that can get in there and, and recover. Um, but they're also not as heavy of a team as they used to be back in the day. So uh, when it comes to to physical play and nudging people out, they they're, they they lack the strength to be able to do that. So they're kind of in the middle somewhere, probably on the downside that that really doesn't help them. And um, I think that's I think that's a big problem. And then that's what I've noticed, kind of effort and and uh attribute wise into some of the big things that i've seen and then as far as decision making i think that's been really off this year i was mentioning how decision making like even with top players like evander kane and you had mentioned tomash hurdle like they're they're choosing to pass at very unwise times they're being very predictable with the way they they skate in the zone um <clears throat> They're 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 doing a lot of high high risk plays, uh, oftentimes when it's not necessary, right? When they could do the sim- simpler thing, uh, and, and that's one element. I mean, even if they do the simple thing, they fail because of the first thing that I brought up because they got out battled anyway, so it gets lost lost anyway. Um, but I think it's another problem. And then I'll, I'll let you talk just now, but you know, goaltending, goaltending. Yeah. <laughs> goaltending i was i was skeptical at first but it's clearly been an issue and i fully accept that goaltending has been been bad Ms. the Jones team bad. structure yeah Ms. Jones people bad. are yeah people yes. are not playing structurally cohesively well enough offensively defensively neutral zone you name it it's different places different times sometimes combined mm-hmm. you know it's 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 the way the team is playing together they're 
they're not cohesive. They're not playing very structurally well either. So there's a lot to do there, know, and there's a lot of other things. Those are some of the top things for me, and I'll leave the floor to you. <laughs> do you know what you just described at length? Uh, don't say the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? The system of play. Yeah. I mean, one of them got DeBoer fired. And then the person who came in basically just had 90% of the same thing. Yeah. It's not surprising that they're just not interested in playing that way because we have all these veterans, you know, we've said this repeatedly on the podcast, but like, let's go three seasons ago. DeBoer comes in. I mean, that's probably even more than that now, right? That's almost four seasons ago. Yeah. Four seasons ago. Four seasons ago and three seasons ago, DeBoer is in here and they are playing exactly how he wants them to play and they make it to the Stanley Cup final. Right? That's huge. Yeah. And then the next season, they still do well. But, you know, uh, we you know, just don't go as far for whatever reason we meet the Oilers in the first round. And we got super banged up in the last, like, month. That uh, was just not our year. Last year, they literally just decided to stop playing that way for a whole three months. You missed the season, by the way. Whatever. Not important. <laughs> it all, my point to illustrate the earlier seasons was we were totally committed to playing the way that was designed with our people on our team and our coaches' style of play. Yeah. Veterans knew what they were doing. Veterans knew how they should be playing. Young players quickly learned because everyone was in line and in shape. Then last season starts and they just decide to not do that for about half the season because they are literally deciding not to. And then one day they have a meeting and say, we should do it this way. We should actually play the right way. And then everyone says, you know what? Okay. And then they start playing that way for the rest of the season and they go on a tear and literally look like the best team in the league for about two months. Right, Evander, uh, Evander Carlson. Eric Carlson just looks like the best thing since sliced bread. Right, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Last season, that was even more magnified. They were playing even worse, doing the same things, and then suddenly started to play a little bit better. But even then, like not much better. Right, and this is so frustrating because it's just people choosing to play a different way than the way they've been asked to do. So everyone's on different things. DeBoer was fired because of it. The team came out after he got fired and those media interviews in the locker room, they all said, a lot of them just said pretty frankly, um, you know, we, it was ready. We were ready for a new voice. And instead they got someone who's like off the DeBoer coaching tree, right? They got someone who's worked with DeBoer for two whole seasons and has, now that he's taking over completely, it's pretty much the same thing. So mm-hmm. why would there be a big turnaround? Because it's pretty much the same thing, right? We brought in the AHL coaches, but instead DeBoer, just like DeBoer before him, Bugner is not playing the young players. But that's specifically why we brought the AHL coaches and you know shredded our uh, Barracuda team of their coaches because we wanted the young players to come in and get some more playing time. And instead the interim coach is making the same mistakes that DeBoer did. You could, one might be able to argue that if DeBoer had integrated young players more effectively, this huge drop-off we're having now wouldn't have been as steep because maybe one or two players who are on the younger side would have been integrated in maybe third, fourth or second lines, you know? Yeah. 
<clears throat> so to me, you know, everything is still going poorly. Dell, the only thing that's changed is Bugner has a different philosophy on writing your starting goaltender than, than DeBoer did. He's given Dell a chance again, and Dell has started to play a little bit better. And obviously, Nabby has been a good thing for him. That's the only difference. Yeah. It's just well, more of the well, same. And they, they, were, they were so tired of it that they decided to you know, play in a way that would get their coach fired. And then the new coach is pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I think you you had even mentioned though that the system is a little bit different. Like you said, they're it's oh, the, but it's like only vaguely different. Yeah, it's but how much like can you yeah, change? it's like eighty five percent different. How much? How much? And this is probably a genuine question on my part, but how much yeah. do you think with the makeup that you have with the team that's been playing one way for so long? Just like, look how at, long how how quickly can you just change off the fly? I'm not saying. I'm I'm saying even if it even if they still aren't playing Budner's system perfectly, it's you know to a T, which you know it would take a while, but it's been about a month, so they probably would be at that point now, after having a week or two of extended practices that they've had so far. <clears throat> Where when he first was hired, they had like a whole week of practice, and it's been about thirty days since the firing, I think. Yeah. Um. So maybe they'd be only playing up to. 80% of the ability of the system or 90% or something like that, but it's still the same system, right? It's more mm-hmm. or less the same system or incredibly similar to a way that the players didn't like playing, which is why they decided to stop playing it. You look at Mike Babcock and Sheldon Keefe in Toronto, the same exact players and the system is literally night and day and the players are responding incredibly. So to me, it doesn't matter. Like, obviously, it, it took some time for them to start playing that way. But they had a coaching change. And the new coach came in and actually had some novel ideas and wanted to play a different style that is very different than uh, Babcock, Babcock. And it um, is, is a massive difference. And it's really changed things. Mm-hmm. So to me, there's two things, right? One thing you said is like, how long will it take for the new coach to like, to have the players fully, you know, being playing well in their system? Like, yeah, you're right. There's totally, there's time for that. But also there's the difference of what system is the coach asking them to play. And the answer for the Sharks is very similar, which is confusing because that's why we, that's why the players played in the way that got their coach fired. You're saying they played, they played in the way because of the system. You're saying right because they, you know, they the they specifically choose not to play in the system because they don't want to, and then we do poorly because not everyone's on the same page, and that leads to the coach getting fired because they didn't want to play the system that the coach was preaching. Right. So more stale staleness <laughs> for the players. What do you mean by staleness? Like uh, essentially, I think you're arguing that the system hasn't changed enough for, for them to be really interested. Yeah. That's what it seems like. I mean, you look, I don't think you can definitively say that that's not the case, right? You look at what's going on. They clearly are not in it mentally. Yeah, They're not trying in the same way that they have in the past. 
and that's and when you talk to me about like oh yeah like winning board battles winning net front battles and stuff like that all these same people were doing such good jobs of that you know two years ago Mm -hmm. you know even at the end of last year in the playoffs so why aren't they doing it now because they're choosing not to you know yeah there's obviously a ton of confidence in there and like sports psychology as well but that's you know there's a reason why the coach was fired and they haven't really changed but but the same at the same time i mean on the other side of the issue you can say like these are these are professionals right they they shouldn't just be sacrificing but they are their ability to succeed but but there's a lot of conjecture in that right i mean yeah because... but it's not like wild conjecture but i think it questions a fundamental thing like uh, how, these guys as players their their willingness to win and go all out right i'm not talking I about mean... the committedness to like excellence and you know playing uh, with, you know, they're, I, I'm saying they're, they're committed to playing the, the system and not like they're compete as an athlete. Okay. Yeah. I'm not questioning uh, their like athleticism I'm, I'm or saying, effort or are you questioning their effort? I'm not questioning their effort. I'm saying they don't want to play the way that the coach is asking them to. Yeah. It's, and, and they've decided to not do that. In any case, it's tricky to actually know what's going on with each player. You know their level of frustration, or or yeah, them, but they told like, us. deciding not to do do well, right? Yeah, they told us when they fired DeBoer, they said that they needed a new voice. Well, Jumbo said that. A couple of them said that. Jumbo said it very frankly. A couple of them basically said that in not as frank of terms, but he was not the only one. Yeah. I just, yeah. I think that, I think a new system, a, a, a more complete overhaul could be a good thing. It, but even then, it seems I like I just don't have a clear answer. Too. I'm not saying that that's going to solve everything, right? But I'm saying I think it's part of, I think it's part of what's going on as well. People are definitely underperforming, though, on an individual level. Um, yeah, but why are they underperforming? Well. Because the system isn't being played, so they're not allowed to succeed in the way they should. Like that's Maybe. what you're, that goes to what? No, that goes to what you're saying. You're like, oh, they're making bad passes and stuff because people in the wrong places. They're not making the right decisions because their first option and their second option isn't available because people aren't in the right positions. Yeah, I th- I think I agree, but I think I also tempering it with the fact that I, well, not the fact, but I also think that people are just having down years. Yeah, at and the I same think time. that's codependent. Yeah, I don't think that's independent of each other. Yeah, well, I guess it, you know it must be in comparison to recent years, last year and the year before with, uh, well. You met. You argued last year. It was pretty similar at the beginning of the season, but they showed their capability following. Yeah, and it just seems like that's not you know quite there. They they haven't. Last year they said, you know what, let's just play the right way, and everyone's like got on board, and they started doing it, and the season was crazy after that. Mm-hmm. They they had that meeting that was reported, 
And uh, that was when Timo scored his hat trick the very next game, right? And then it's not like they've gone the right trajectory since then, right? It's been very rocky. So yeah. I still I still think there are issues. And even last game, I think there were still reports coming up that people still aren't playing the right way. So unlike last season where it seemed to be where it was from that point forward, everyone for the rest of the season was on board. You know, maybe for a game or two they weren't, but overall for the course of the season they were. And it seems like that was a short-term thing this season, and it's gone back to where it was. So where do we go from here? What needs to change? Well, one thing we know is going to happen as best as we can predict because uh, Pierre Lebrun reported it is uh, reported reported basically based on um, him being told, if you read the article, um, all the words he used lacked anything sort of him saying, this is my opinion. He used past tense that the Sharks have, like, had decided, um, you know, all this stuff. Kurz has reported it. Pashalka's reported it. The Sharks are going to sell. <clears throat> I'm looking at a graph right now from... Uh, Micah Blake McCurdy, uh, the guy who runs HockeyViz.com. He's really well-respected NHL. He's worked with NHL teams before. His predicted chance of the Sharks making the playoffs currently is at 4%. And two week, last week, it was at 4% or like 6%. It went up on the 13th to maybe 8% or 9%, and it's back down to 4 or 5 So... I think when people saw this last week, they had a little bit of hope. They said, oh, there's these Pacific Division teams. If they get wins against these teams, maybe we can keep our hopes alive. Because they looked and they said there's only five points or seven points from a wild card spot or something like that. But there was also like seven teams between them or something like that. So I think the reality of all the other teams having to catch not one team, but like five teams or something like that just was lost. But when you look at the actual data, it's very clear that the Sharks never have had a chance since mid-December. At the end of November, our playoff chance was a 30%. By the time mm-hmm. DeBoer got fired, it was back down to like 12. So we, at one point in the season, we had undone October and then we couldn't sustain it. And since then, we've basically been hovering around four to like 14% goes up, goes down, but it doesn't really change too much. So it's sad. So the sharks are going to sell. That's what it's been reported. Seems very clear. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think they're going to sell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who I mean, it's pretty clear. There, yeah, there's, it's pretty no clear other, they're gonna sell. there's no other really <clears throat> vi- viable course of auction. Uh, ugh, I can't talk right course now. Of action course of action right and uh people have been talking about this for a while now yeah but we know that some players are gonna go but so far really yeah. the suggestions have only really been easy or, or palatable changes right i mean right. we know that dylan is the most likely Wait. to go yes the reason another reason why i think sharks fans have officially accepted that we're not making the playoffs is couture got hurt we forgot to say that oh yeah. yeah, he fractured his ankle, and he's going to be out for six weeks. We uh, should talk about uh, a few of the specific things, but I guess let's let's talk about. I just what wanted we to qualify for the that because I think that 
solidified that's a big fact factor that we're going to be selling it's like once that happened it was like all right that was the last nail in the coffin yeah but and, and you had mentioned that dylan is like the logical choice yeah definitely i mean he's going to be a ufa and he, he has 3.27 yes he has relatively high value now i mean not huge value right but the yeah. sharks can recoup some prospects picks <clears throat> by trading him Mm-hmm. Well, he wouldn't fetch like a first rounder, in my opinion. I mean, who uh, knows, dude? GMs are crazy. GMs, but... yeah. I was just gonna say, GMs have done some bad. really stupid stuff like, <laughs> in these last few years. Yeah, and you know, sometimes you know, someone goes down with injury on your team, and you're forced to make a bad deal. Yeah, or uh, a very short sighted deal that helps you now but hurts you a little bit more than you would have liked. Yeah, um, but Brendan Dillon's a solid, you know, three four defenseman. You yeah. know, he's not terrible. He's Kind of a heavy player, so people like that. And he makes 3.2, so it's not a ton of money. And if the Sharks retain some salary, um, that'd be a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they maybe that makes a mid-second round go to a high second round or something like that. But, I mean, you know, obviously first-round picks are juicy, but... You just don't know, right? Yeah, I think I, I would but take... He, he's probably our, our a UFA that seems to be like the easiest and most likely to understand what how he would be moved and that it would be probably right what you said. Like maybe not a first-round pick, but a pick, picks, or uh, some Prospects. degree of prospect. So I would take... At this point, I think I could see the Sharks taking more quantity of of middling picks rather than, you know, going to restock closer to first round. Because in reality, the Sharks are not going to be able to get a high first round pick. Or, no. Or what's the terminology? Is it low for closer to first overall? Or is high, it high? high meaning better. So high, high yeah. would be They're not going to be able to recoup that, right? And then... Yeah. If you get into like 16 and below, I mean, once you get to those lower first round picks, I mean, your, your possible return on investment is, is not as high. Right. So yeah, but you're rather still than, picking a better player. Yeah. And based and, on the sharks recent sc- scouting history though, I'd rather them just go for more middling picks and have more, more quantity. Right. What do you mean? <laughs> Do you mean like three, like four, second, five? Like second through, second through fifth. <laughs> really? Right. I super disagree. Okay, but I am not. Which is okay. I'm not very well. I'm not the best person to talk about this. This is just a, a cursory opinion. I will say um, one thing that maybe will inform the rest of your stuff. Yeah. I think last year or two years ago, Doug Wilson Jr. was given the reins of the scouting department in drafting. And the drafting strategy since then that was the year we took Ryan Merkley has changed drastically. Okay. So now we pick players. Basically we try to pick the most talented players, however they rate it instead of people who are more likely to make the NHL, but like be fourth, third line players because that's the entirety of our prospect uh, prospect pool. pool. They're all just like middle players, bottom six role players. Yeah. Like the only high end person we have is Merkley. Um, and he was a, we picked him at 27. He fell to us and he's a project because of 
um, defensive woes, but literally like Carlson-like vision offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he was young when we drafted him too. So there's like just an extra year added there anyways. Um, but so I think given our kind of refresh strategy, my thing would be to get better picks so that when you're picking someone who has a higher upside, the, like the drawbacks are lessened, right? Cause like if you're picking first overall, you can pick the sure bet, right? But if you're picking 30th, you can still pick someone who's pretty talented, but there's probably a lot of mitigating factors along with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like kind of how like Merkley felt to us because he was really good offensively, but defensively he's really bad, but maybe we'll take that at 27, but not at number one. Or maybe See, we'll take that at thirty-four, but not at sixty or something. You know? Your 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 un- I think your perspective and understanding is for from a deeper appreciation of, of of you know prospects and their ability. I think, like I said, my viewpoint is a little bit more cursory and coming from. I would I wouldn't say pessimistic, but the idea that <laughs> you know I'm not trusting that the draft is gonna is gonna <laughs> save yeah, us you know, anytime say- soon. Well, so, we have so, three picks and they all miss, right? Versus yeah, what if you we have also six have and more... one of them hits, even if yeah. they don't hit as high, we still got a hit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. And, and 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 the idea that you know, if we trade Dylan or if we trade Dylan the Bank, as some people have suggested, I mean, you're even then you're not going to get like a, a high first rounder, right? So. Um, it's contextually specific too with what we have to give, what with what the Sharks have to sell. Uh, mm-hmm. that's currently on the table. And, and, you know, like, like I said, the, those are some of the players that are more palatable. I think it would be like sad to see LeBanc go, but, but in another way, I think he's been really underperforming and, and uh, out of players that you would say like this, this player just like doesn't show up and doesn't seem to try a lot of the time. Like he would be at the top of that list and, that's disappointing and I think that's frustrating and I think he does show that he can have some skill, but um I I wouldn't be the most sad to to let him go at this time, right? So Yeah, I think he's a sorry stuff. Were you No, it's I, I it, it, it's just like I feel a little conflicted, but I also wouldn't feel the most sad to see him go because it can help replenish those 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 uh pick cupboards a little bit. And I, th- I think he's had a lot of time, you know, and he's, he's only showing 24, that he's not. And he's only had two full seasons before this one. In, 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 on a good team, right? And he's, on a really good team. Yeah. And he's not been like, great, you know, so. I don't know. Last year he had 56 points. That's like a almost second line player on some teams in the league. Yeah, I don't know. You know, if 56 points was like his his uh, peak, you know, that would be I don't know. I just little, don't see – Yeah, I don't see him as like that great of a player. I mean, I see him as good, but – I don't – I agree. I think his – I think his vision is really good. I think he's probably a cap, second-line player, skill cap, you know, like – I think his drawbacks, he'll be able to probably come over some of them, but maybe not all of them. Um, and I think his size limits him a bit too. Yeah, Although I think definitely. he's mitigate, mitigated a bit this year. I think he's better at forechecking, but you know he still can't win battles in the same way. But he gets in and 
gets out the puck a little bit better. But even, yeah, so he had 56 points last year. He's 49 games, 25 points this year. So he's already ha- he already has 11 goals. So, you know, he probably could hit 50 points this year, maybe. Right? So that's still pretty good. That's like a, a good, solid player. 50 points for someone who's 24. That's good. You know, I would be sad to see him go. But it depends on what we get for him in return, right? If we just sell him and get, like, a third-round pick or something like that, or if we sell him and we get a pick. No way, no. If we trade LeBanc for a pick, I will be sad because LeBanc is an NHL player, right? He Mm -hmm. has his issues, but he's an NHL player. And if you go straight for a pick where you may not even get an NHL player, that's a drawback for me. So I, I think I'm okay with trading LeBanc, but I would be sad because I think you'd be giving up on him a little early. I still would like to see him grow a little bit. And if we, you know, take a season to reset, you know, all the better for him to learn better defense in that reset year. Um, but if he did go, it really just depends on what we get back. Yeah. I think he should fetch... He should, like you said, you just you just listed some of his accolades, like his points and everything. He 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 gets the job done to to a decent extent, right? Like you said, third to second line type player. But you know, you think about the guys on the Sharks roster that have been good. Like LeBanc has not consistently been like a game changing type player. He definitely was in that game in that game seven against Vegas. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and that's you know that's the thing we can't. So that's his ceiling, right? But how often is he getting close? That's his like literally. That's his like Super Saiyan ceiling. (laughs) You know, like like we cannot. That was everybody's Super Saiyan game, dude. What? (laughs) That was everybody's Super Saiyan game. I know, right? Like you can't say that that's where his like true potential is. It's like that could have been a one in a million game, Mm -hmm. and it was, and we all know that. So we can't say, oh, why isn't he performing at that level? You know, once every like. 20 games or something like that. No, yeah, yeah. that's any that's also I think that's it's like hard to also like it's an outlier. You overvalue the person you know. You t- you might lean that way. Everyone. Yeah, no, but the, I think included. that is true that you are very accurate in saying this about me that I overvalue I was saying about everyone, not just you. Yes. But I, that that very much applies to me. Like I will like get attached to the players in terms of yeah, and that's part of it's the hard fun to see the them sport. go. So, but surprisingly, like LeBanc, I'm I'm I have this sentiment of mistakes bother you, and uh, he makes like, mistakes. Let him go. <laughs> they, You're willing to do. like give up lack of offense. Like if the person doesn't score a lot, but like doesn't make mistakes, you're like this is fine. But if the person scores a lot but also makes mistakes, you're like. You mean nothing to me. Well, I think they stand out to me. Or yeah. for LeBanc, I think he makes mistakes and his lack of finishing sometimes, and then also his his invisibility. Like yeah. those factors and that's probably, play together. You know, partially due to his size. Yeah, the fact that he can get edged out of games. But it's weird because sometimes he's just very much there, and he gets like two goals in one game, or he's like very apparent. But then other times, it's like you're yeah. not you're not making an impact, right? Yeah, I think also... he needs – we have said this, and I will credit you because you said this. 
um, that he is someone who really benefits from other people, like starting to take over a game. He can really add to that. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who will do it himself or has done it himself enough. And might I mention also that he has like a blistering super hard shot, but it takes him like four him seconds. A year. And that's something you can to get on. it off. That's and then most of the time it doesn't, he doesn't score like that with the, with the big wind. <clears throat> yeah. He doesn't score like that because he misses a lot. Yeah. So LeBanc, that's one person. Dylan, that's one more person. Who else do you that's think? That's it. <laughs> so Melker, I think is another choice that gets bandied about. Yeah. Which yeah. would be great because he's 29, makes $2 million, only plays on the fourth line in penalty kill, and easily could be replaced. It's crazy. He's been with the team like a long time. He has. He was, he was there through the Todd McClellan years. Yeah. Um, as, and he stayed as one of the fourth liners there. Yeah. You know, good for him. But also, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I feel like he's become. He, he he's just less there. noticeable. He doesn't do like, a lot. He's still like the penalty killer and like dependable and everything, but yeah. less less reliable on offense than he. Like I shouldn't no... say reliable, but yeah, like, reliable is not a yeah, word I would use. That's not a good word for the role that he's in, but it's yeah. just yeah. You would like for know. there to be some sort of upside while still maintaining defensive acumen, but he had. Uh, 16 points last season and 19 points the season before that mm-hmm. and 19 points the season before that. Mm-hmm. So and he's on, he has seven now. So he's on track for maybe 14, 15. Like, okay. That's not, do you think the sharks dollars. might, might trade somebody like Barkley Goodrow? I think they could sell really high on Barkley. I mean, no, I don't. I just said I think they could sell really high on Barkley Goodrow, and then I <laughs> caught myself. No, he's like a third line player. Like, what would they get for him? Like, sure, sell him, but like, well, no, but he's pretty much that same player like Melker Carlson, and had it, has had more of an offensive upswing. Had, I think this he has year. a higher upside for sure. Yeah. So why why wouldn't you trade him instead? He's younger, or, or say, trade him as well. He's younger. And he's on pace for about 40 points this season instead of 20. So, Will that fetch a greater return? What's greater, a fifth-round pick or a sixth-round pick? <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't hey, be throwing players two, away. We still need a roster. Five. He's 26. <laughs> to me, Melker is 29. And he, you know, he has plateaued. We're seeing a lot of growth from... Goudreau this season and if he stays if this is his new normal you know that's really good but you know they did come into the league at the same time I remember that was that, that yeah that, that was same a year training I did watch as many but you but um, yeah. Melker got a more solidified position earlier on and Goudreau spent more time in the minors following yeah I think the reason why initial stint yeah that's probably because Sorry. no no no, no. <laughs> I'm just talking about Sharks history that's now. good that's good um, Goudreau is younger so that's probably why Mar- Melker came over after playing pro in uh, Europe so he yeah. probably was just a little bit more finished Goudreau makes 900000 and Melker makes $2 million. we're not selling mm. to sell I think we're selling trying to sell high or clear cap room 
Oh, right, yeah. Right. We're not just like, oh, I don't like Yoko Blickfield. He's 21, and he only makes 7 million. 700,000. <laughs> let's, let's toss him. Right. It's a bit of a yeah. weird thing. Um, some people... What about... What about... <laughs> What about a gender game? Dude, I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I, I was thinking about this. I thought you'd be opposed, but I'm I'm surprised. No, dude, he's he <laughs> The more you watch him, you start and you're like, yeah, dude, he gets ref differently. And then you're like, oh wait, because you bring it on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like how many times is are you worried that he's not gonna finish the end of the period? Uh, the end of the third period. Yeah. He goons it up like crazy. And it's like, I don't really care to have that on the team. Yeah. He well, he, he throws dirty argue, stuff, too. I would also argue that he hasn't, in the two years he's been to the playoffs with us, he's, he's been invisible. not done enough. Yeah, but he's also Granted, it's his like first two years of the, in the playoffs. Yeah. But... yeah, yeah. And I think, he, yeah. So, so... I, I think maybe it'd still be a little too early to sell. He's having a good season this year. Like everyone, he stopped scoring for about 20 games in the middle. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would – I don't like how he plays. And I think he makes really bad decisions when he enters his zone by himself and makes plays yep. dead immediately way too often. But, you know, if the system was changed, maybe he plays differently. And I think most players will play differently next year just give him a fresh start after this crap season. So I think it would probably be too early to sell on him. Um, he might be able to hit 30 goals this season if anyone on our team can. He's already at 20, right? He's at yeah. 19. So, yeah, so, you know, good for him. He might actually hit 30. Yeah, he hit 30 goals for the first time last season. So maybe he will this season. Um, that would be good for him. He, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Like, I think, I don't think they need to. The big, a huge issue this year has been goal scoring. And if you took away him, then like, that's a big hole. Yeah, that's the consequence. And he's still, you're and he's up still young and his part of the contract top, is top only 7 six. million. So it's not crazy high. Yeah, he's just really streaky, and I don't like the decisions, and I don't like how he gins it up. But those are choices that he makes each game, so he can fix that. Let's let's bring it back here a little bit, big picture. What I mean, this has been talked about, banned about, but can I ask one more question? Please, please. Okay, what do you think about Burns or Vlasic? It would hurt my heart. <laughs> Burns is having <laughs> last year Burns got railed on, but also had an eighty three point season which hasn't been done in twenty five years by a defenseman. Yeah. So I thought that was ignored a bit. But um this year he's like on pace for very, very little. Mm-hmm. And he's thirty four and his contract ends in twenty twenty four, twenty five season. So quite a while from now. Um, right now he's on pace for like 50 to 60 points. I think that's still really good. He's at 49 (laughs) games, 32 points. Yeah. It's not eight. It's not as much as you pay him for. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. And he's, I think the way that... the uh, maybe the epitome of, of, like, having a down year. The... Um, no, dude, that's... Uh, that's Timo to me. Uh... He's up there. Timo, Timo's, too young. Timo's too young to really yeah, say Timo's that. Yeah, Timo's too young. Like, Burns was so dominant Burns these was last the epitome three, of the DeBoer seasons. offense. Yeah, I mean, he's... The way I see him play, like, he's still Brent Burns, but he's not finishing as much as he used to, right? Yeah, and I think that's because he's missing his, like, connector, Pavelski, yeah. in the middle, right? Like, just as much as Pavelski got points from Burns, Burns got points from Pavelski. So, yeah, I think he's having a down Well, Carlson uh, is people would, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone is, like you said. Uh, people would love to trade Vlasic as well. I would prefer not to. So you would prefer to trade Burns versus Vlasic? I... The three-headed monster thing hasn't been working. Yeah, unfortunately. Whether you give up this early into it or you try one more season or two more seasons you know you know we get a new coach in here or just even Bugner with the whole new season has time to like restructure things and reset maybe does things differently who knows it could work amazing right yeah that's really disappointing so so I don't really want to give up on that that's well it's hard that's really hard to stomach because when we got Carlson that was one of the things that we were most excited about, right? Not only do we have Eric Carlson, but we had the three of them together. And Yeah, and, and I think we've seen that Vlasic and Carlson can play together now, which is great because now you're not having weird minute allocations, right? Just Vlasic and Carlson are the top pair. Yeah. And they're playing well together, and that's really helped Vlasic, and it's really helped Carlson. But with how disappointing this season has been, it's, it's like, why aren't we better? I, the question of why aren't we better, it's just like, you know, regardless of the system and everything, I I know we talked about this I don't think you can say regardless of the system. I think it's because of the system, the players are just not accepting it anymore. Yeah, I mean that's hard for me to accept that they're that. I understand that. I'm not saying it's the only thing. I'm saying it's a big contributing factor. It was for DeBoer for sure, and my suspicion is that there's like a vicious cycle of playing poorly which means you want to try to do it more on your own instead of playing the system not liking the system therefore you play poorly and then it just like cycles on itself but i don't want to get too sidetracked back in the original one so i think people are saying maybe trade burns or trade vlasic i think that's probably too big of a deal because they vlasic has a no movement clause period burns is a three-team no trade list or a three-team only trade list. Oh, wow. And I still think it would be too early to give up <laughs> into this kind of uh, experiment. I wonder what those teams are. I think it, he can change. Either he has to supply it on like July 1st, oh. or he can be asked for it when it's time for a trade or something. And they always can waive it if they're asked. Yeah. And the player always has the right to say no. So, you know. I think Carlson had a way of his clause to come to San Jose. But once, so, once, yeah. you, once you consider, you know, uh, if it's Kane or it's Burns or it's Vlasic, I mean, those are pretty big consequences. I mean, are you assuming that trading yeah, Vlasic then and that, Burns... Then that's not like a slight retool. That's like 
that's more than just cut around right. the edges. Are you assuming like, that you'd bring back a forward for one of those D-men? Like a good forward? I might even say prospect. Right? What? Like what we're talking... If you tr- No, I'm saying trade burns and you get like last year's, you know, a previous year's top 10 pick. No, something like that. That's it? Uh, no, probably not by, probably not just that, you know, maybe a, a second and a third or something. Right. But I think they're worth I think more that's, than that. I'm not getting into what the actual like market value for people would be, <laughs> but I'm saying what I think we should target, <laughs> right. Whether or not you give me a player who's already in the NHL or someone like, if you're going to trade someone who's already a bet, and still young, like LeBanc, you better give me someone who's a sure bet coming back, right? Mm-hmm. If you trade someone like Burns, he's old, right? You, we already have as much money as we want to allocate to defense as we do. If we, you know, if we trade him, then maybe we can have another $3 million contract, but we're not going to go up to like six plus again, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, naturally, yeah, that would be put to forward where we have some holes and, you know, Thornton and Marlowe are getting older, so holes will open up again. So to me, yeah, that means fill it up there. But do you want a young player who's in the NHL already? Do you want someone who maybe is a higher ceiling but isn't in the NHL yet but has already been drafted? Um, Do you want a pick? Right. And, you know, the further down the uncertainty scale you go, the higher the reward has to be. But it also could be, yeah, we want a 27 year old center who's in the NHL already or, you know, some mid 20s player or something like that. who's a forward. I don't know. But to me, target younger. And with burn, you know, if you're trading burns, that's a huge trade. So will that go down at the trade deadline? Probably not. Yeah. The bigger the trades and the more complicated they are, the more time they take. So I think that would be – I wouldn't be surprised if – I mean, I say that. I would be absolutely floored if we traded Burns or Vlasic or Carlson. We won't trade Carlson. That would be the most flooring. But if we traded Burns or Vlasic, I would be – I could see why, um, and it would be flooring. But I would hope they would use that to get younger and recoup some of the – prices they've had to pay to be competitive for so long yeah and i well this is what i kind of wanted why i wanted to step back and think about big picture but like what is the goal for the sharks i mean this team has never been about a long rebuild phase right that's not what this market is about so you could arguably say the market couldn't support that yeah it's gonna it's gonna have to be like always trying to retool and get competitive again. And, 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 and to be Mm -hmm. honest, like that, that is a realistic goal given the core that we have, but they've had, they've had major issues this year, right? Yeah. We still have Couture. We still have Kane, Meyer, Hurdle, Hurdle, Jones, right? We have role (laughs) players. We have players on defense. The other thing I was talking about is Jones (laughs) and Dell. Do you, do we trade Dell? Did you hear what I said though? You said Jones <laughs> in the core, yeah, 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 dude. I legitimately think Jones is going to get bought out in the off season. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. He has a three-team only trade to these 
three teams, no trade clause. And he signed until the 2023-24 season. That's four more years of this at $5.75 million cap hit. And he's already 30. Is there any sign of this getting better? This has been two seasons of this. This is the craziest thing. I legitimately think he could be bought out. Yeah. Maybe you put you you're I don't think they're gonna re-sign Dell. Why would you? Right? He's had two seasons of being bad. We're not gonna risk that again. He's already thirty. We have three goalies in the pipeline who are, you know, trying to challenge for AHL minutes. Maybe they play a little bit. Um so I doubt you're going to re-sign Dell. So you just try to give him to someone so you can get at least something back for him. You know? Man, I was hoping for a Jones resurgence. I still kind of hope yeah, for that. Yeah, it just but... isn't there. I hope for it too, but it's just, you know, it's just not happening this season. Or if, if it happens this season, it's not believable until next season anyway, you know? Yeah, I could see, I could see him being bought out, but that's the organization saying, you know, we're done. We have to find another goalie option, right? And that's tough. That's yeah. that's a tough thing to find. Yeah, and that's what I was going to talk about is if we give up on Jones, which at this point would be justified, and I can't fault them for that, the remaining cap hit would be split two-thirds of the remaining cap hit or the remaining money he's owed would be split over double the turn. So for eight years, we would pay a cap hit between 2.8 and like 1.6 the last four years are 1.6 to 5 or something like that and then the first four years kind of go up to 2.8 down up to 2 up down up Um, and that leaves you with money to you're still saving money by maybe who you would sign but you still have to find a starting goalie you know Mm -hmm. so to me that's like where on earth are you going to get that from? Yeah. And there's always some like really good, you know, backup goalies who have been playing well, who get traded at the deadline. Um, but you know, how many of those have panned out, right? We've seen Ken Talbot flash in a pan and come out of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's tough. That's that's a really tough position yeah, to. If you don't like, we've seen that solid. Jones has its ability to you know to play as a starter. You know whether or not we bring in the backup, a different backup, the same Dell. Like he shouldn't play as much as he did last season, Jones. And somehow he resurges. Like that's great, but like, you know, it almost seems like the number of bad seasons are like you know below average starter seasons you have is more than his average starter seasons are good. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's just sad. Like, okay, you get rid of Jones, but then you don't have a goalie and that's like almost a worse. It's not a worse problem, but it's like an equally bad problem. Yeah. Right. Cause none of the goalies we have in our AHL teams or the EHL ECHL teams we have are like clear starter or clear NHL ready, you know, mm-hmm. And that's sad. It is sad. Sad cast. <laughs> so, uh, Peter Bauer. Yeah, I'm sorry to sidetrack. <laughs> Go back to where you were. The question you've asked me twice and I've delayed twice. 
Yeah. Well, they just got to get it figured out quick was the point I wanted to ultimately hit on. But yeah, uh, Peter DeBoer. um, Hello. That was weird. That's super weird. Yeah. Would you like to recap the events? Oh, where do I start? The Sharks Sharks fired their coach. The Sharks were formed in the 1990 season. And uh, so it's been about a month. And uh, out of nowhere, our currently biggest rivals, Vegas, fires Gerard Gallant, who, you know, objectively was a very good coach for them. Just out of the blue. Quantitatively they were going was a very through, good like, coach. Kind of a rough stretch, still very much they lost in playoff contention. <laughs> and they fire him. And they and hire they the Sharks him. ex-coach. Just like they fired him at the first sign of being out of the playoffs. Like the first day they're out of playoffs, they fired him. That's insane. Yeah, that's like really high standards. <laughs> that's I like, hope that I'm destroys glad their franchise I don't play for that very team. quickly somehow. <laughs> What? I hope that destroys their franchise oh, <laughs> very yeah. quickly somehow. Oh my gosh! <laughs> How, why would you ever want to internally implode as soon as they never oh make the gosh, play? Yeah. As soon as they don't make the play- <laughs> the playoffs? Yeah, like what is that? <laughs> the first send time? to your players, right? Like I don't believe in you guys at all. <laughs> like, what, what kind of support is that? That's insane. He won the Jack Adams last year, or the year before, or something like that, for being the best coach in the NHL. His first season, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. Last season, they had a really good regular season. Like, what on earth? Yeah. Where they think, and then all the media is like, uh, I have no clue. Yeah. Apparently, within the last month, they were talking about an extension. That's what Elliot Friedman talked about in 31 Thoughts. Yeah, it's crazy that DeBar was just like That's right crazy. on the docket day of. It's like you're fired and you yeah. are hired, right? Yeah, that's so crazy. The amount of awkwardness involved in that situation <laughs> is uh, quite interesting in the hockey world, right? Yeah, there was a, a tweet that I saw from a reporter with uh, you know embedded on Vegas, and they were they were interviewing Mark Stone, and he said the first thing DeBoer said when he got into the room with them after being hired was, "Well, this might be awkward." And then Mark Stone said, "And it was, lol." <laughs> <laughs> what? That's so weird, <laughs> right? Just like, what did you do? <laughs> That's- so awkward oh, oh my gosh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and and just like what is going on with that management of that team like coaching and players are, are doing great but like they were after one season in or two seasons in they're already in like cap hell oh yeah right they've already like traded away part of their original core which i was reading uh some articles from like the vegas perspective like from vegas writers and yeah. stuff and they they lament the people they've sent out as being like the heart and soul of their team and like the misfit identity. And now they don't really do that. Mm -hmm. So it just seems really odd that like within, you know, two, three years of having this magical franchise, it's like already like falling from grace and like the owner is like pulling the ripcord. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Wow. Just imagine that was in San Jose. How like just as a fan, 
that's like that seems like you know like uh jed york you know how like all niners fans like hate the ownership Mm -hmm. for a long time because they just like they were just so involved in seemingly always making the terrible decisions yeah that's like a very bad thing but then again it's like you own the team i can't say no (laughs) like whatever you say is law yeah it's it's interesting because they're very interesting decision to say the least but i mean that franchise was born in a different way than any other franchise (laughs) It's right. Your expectations mm-hmm. like from their first season are just uh like when when they the first time they don't make the playoffs, like I want really wonder how it's gonna f- affect their I team. I hope they go into a full rebuild. <laughs> Scorched earth rebuild, sell everyone, start with picks. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Well, I mean all, like I said, all si- really though, signs would point to them really like kind of imploding. Yeah. So, and you you wonder if Vegas will sustain that, you know, if their team is doing poorly like will San Jose sustain that being a bottom feeder? Like we haven't been doing great this season and I'm sure attendance isn't very good. But, you know, I think we probably both agree that if there was like four four years of that, you know, four or five years of the team really doing like a full top to bottom rebuild, that would, you know, do huge damage to the, the franchise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows if Vegas is in that same boat. Right? Yeah. But, you know, what's the great thing is now that Gallant isn't the coach and DeBoer isn't our coach, we aren't guaranteed a loss every time we play Vegas. <laughs> so that's nice. <laughs> yeah. We have, a, we have more of an advantage next time we play them. But... Yeah. Seriously, it'll be like DeBoer, like just like everything. He just seems like the antithesis of Gallant's system. Yeah, you know, Gallant's system was like magnificent. It was so good, and the DeBoer is just like fire from the point, fire from the point, fire from the point. And you know, maybe it was especially tailored for the Sharks because of our our defense and you know Burns and Carlson being so good. Yeah. But still, like it's not going to be anywhere close to what Gallant's was. And if it is, then why didn't you do that with sharks? And then you should have been fired. Yeah. Just very frustrating. And just really weird. And we're not going to play him until next season. So it will have sunk in more. Yeah. But the first time, yeah, I mean, that's good because the first time we play them will be like months. No, we'll probably start the season opening against them again. (laughs) Like, literally, the schedule maker better, like, look back on their actions and realize that he almost killed someone. And then we'll spread our first couple games out instead of back-to-back. <laughs> they just have, like, a five-game series to start the year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's what they would want to do, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. What if the what if the entire... What if that was, like... It was, like, baseball? But it's, oh, it's terrible. just, like... You don't see the you don't see the one team ever again. You just play like a five game series against every team, and then you move what on. What if we took to whatever the next teams are? What if we took the most interesting to watch sport and then modeled it to be like the least interesting to watch sport? <laughs> what if we did that? That's another way of putting it. I will say. What if instead of eighty two games, we played 
160 <laughs> games. And then there was no rest any except for one day a month. What if we did that? And then instead had a 50-person roster <laughs> instead of a 23-person roster. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan. Uh, so... Joe, Joe Pavelski's a Dallas star. <laughs> Before we were recording, he was like, do you want to talk about Pavelski coming back? So I want... And I said, I, I don't think it was very meaningful. <laughs> no, I do want to say something because <laughs> there was a time like a week or two ago when we last recorded, whenever it was, when, you know, we're settled in our but- despair... <laughs> We're more we're more settled in our despair this week, right? But before there was like more hope. There's like more hope still present. Yeah. And uh I was kind of thinking like, you know, is Pavelski like the missing piece? And I think from an emotional standpoint, like <laughs> losing him was was a big deal and, and kind of the, the role that he served. But then I, I heard about his stats this year. And yeah, I'm like old year. He's not doing well. He has seven million dollar player, and he has like what eighteen points. It's or like something? Patrick Marlowe is comparable. <laughs> Patrick okay. Marlowe is like the same stats and makes like seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, so then I felt better in a way, but yeah, I will say like when I saw the pregame stuff because I wanted to watch that specifically. Oh, I did too. Like yeah. that was cool. I mean, they gave him like a really long ovation, like they did for Marlowe, and that was like really cool to see. And it just felt yeah. sad because, I mean, I really like hockey. And like I said earlier, I have that tendency, you know, you kind of get attached and fond of the players that are, you know, core players. And when that change that changes and get dis- gets disrupted, it's like you have to move on to something new. And I think the Sharks for the longest time have had core players, you know, Patty's back, right? And Thornton has been there since 2005. I know. So it's been like 15 years for, with like this essence of the Sharks, right? And I think yeah. this bad season is pointing to to more of that idea of like things are things are changing inevitably, <clears throat> and you still want to stay competitive, but it's it's not going to be the same as it was. And I think seeing Pavelski. Uh, it just it just brought back those feelings of like oh man that's weird like he's not going to be with the team yeah the team's been more or less the same core for so long which is rare and there's that there's that hope like with that core to have won the cup you know, in 2016 yeah. like would have been amazing yeah. yeah and you know so many you could say that about so many teams, you know, with so many cores that they and they don't end up winning. Yeah, you know, a lot of it's luck. Yeah, a lot of it is luck. Um, yeah, but Pavelski has 19 points and eight goals in 47 games this season. They make seven million dollars. So, <laughs> from a pragmatic I will standpoint, take Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, you know who's still on this team? Hold on, hold on. Let me think. Curveball. I'm thinking. Hold on. I'm going to give you three more seconds. All right. Pat, pat, yeah. I don't know. Dalton Prout. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, poor guy though. He probably had like that's bad so concussions sad. that like he had a concussion and then he like fought his first game, got a concussion, was out for forever, fought in the game he got back and got a concussion. Yeah. Very sad. I should not have laughed. He's twenty nine. Yeah, that sucks. Like yeah, this could like end yeah. his career, right? Because he's not even. It, I mean, it should. He's not even showing, like, aside from the concussion and the effect effect on that. Like, even if he was fine, is even with the team, <laughs> honestly. Well, he's not even like having playing time to show his skill, right? So yeah, he has two games this season, and two games with the Barracuda. Yeah, it's just seven. that's really rough. And he was already like a fringe NHL player. Did he have a history of he, concussions? I mean, he's a fighter, so probably. Yeah, you know who else is still on this team? Are you talking about a non-roster player? Yeah, Paul Martin. With his bio. Oh, really? Yeah, one point four. Bring him back. One six 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 <laughs> seven million dollars comes off the books after the season. So if we buy out Jones, just uh. About double that for a couple of years, and then about the same for the rest after that. See, that's the danger: is we sign Jones to a long-term contract, and that's why they have these like buyout rules really being negative against long-term contracts. Like, if you sign a long-term contract, you should not like a couple years into it. We're not even a third of the into the contract, and we're like, yeah, this is so bad. We want to literally cancel your contract, mm-hmm. not just like give you a new beginning, but like we want to render services nullified. Yeah. It would be, you would be on our books for eight years. And, and the sad thing is, is it might be necessary. Yeah. Which is sad, man. I just don't, I wonder what, like, what is Martin Jones thinking? <laughs> I feel bad for him, but like, honestly, it's not even like, Oh, he's so bad. Give him off the team. It's like, He's really bad. Fix him. <laughs> you know, like, no, seriously, yeah. though. It's like, it's sad. It is sad. It's I mean, really sad. Like, you see him, the, the first just... goal they si- they, scored, they scored in the last game, um, Burns got beaten wide, but he also pushed the defender way out wide. Yeah. So that the, the, def- the, the, Burns pushed the forward way out wide. So when the forward came across the net, he didn't have a very good angle. And like Jones is like on the goal line and he didn't even like get his pad out to like stop him or like, you know, make the guy give him a hard time. He just like let him go across his front and score. And it was like, that's sad. Yeah. Very sad. And a couple goals on him in that game, it was four zero. And I think three were like all stoppable. And it just seems to be getting worse and worse, honestly. Yeah, every time he plays now, I'm like, this it's is going to be like, this is going to be a game where he like does well and gets some confident back, confidence back, and it just doesn't happen. It just gets, it's just more bad stuff. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, it'd be great. What is if all the misfit toys of prospects who like young players who like it isn't really working out for them. In the NHL, what? What are they doing? Um, 
You know, like uh, the third overall pick for the Oilers a while ago, Yessi Pugliarvi? Okay, yeah, yeah. Super talented guy. He's, like, in Finland right now. He's, like, not playing in the NHL because the Oilers are being butts to him. Oh, wow. Uh, the Rangers, they have a really high-end prospect, Leas Anderson. Like, he's not playing in the NHL because something happened on the Rangers. Uh, the guy at the Islanders, oh. Who's the really talented guy? He's a high for me last name, I think. I don't know. Oh, I forget. Um, yeah, so there's like, you know, there's a couple, each, a, a few teams has these like people sent to into exile and then they're like trying to trade them, getting back in the NHL, but they only want to get them for like a good deal or something like mm-hmm. that. It's like, please guys, just let mm-hmm. us, take advantage of that like market inefficiency and like suddenly gain a bunch of good young players <laughs> onto our team instead of having to like get a bunch of like fourth line players. Yeah. That'd be nice. But it's sad because you know, all of these players that we picked up trying to get into the roster this season just haven't worked. Mm-hmm. And it seems like everyone we have are just going to be like third or fourth line players. And we were so optimistic to start the season. Yeah. And rightfully so, because we were told to be. Yeah. You know, it's just us. sad. They, they did are. something really wrong, and I really hope they this really sticks with them and they fix things in the future or change how they do things to mitigate that this happens again. Every five years, we, they'll forget. Don't put us on that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, this you know this will kind of change with Doug Wilson Jr. coming in and <clears throat> him, you know, being a more of like an analytics focused person. Maybe they can find some things or just uh, not be as biased with what they see, but maybe trust what's actually there a little bit. But um, it's sad. You know, like I'm just looking at our cap friendly page and our prospects. Um, Jonathan Dolan, the guy we traded from, from uh, Vancouver, he, that he was a higher end pick in a, one of the, really skilled prospects written by the athletic, but he came in and just like, wasn't doing good. He basically wasn't getting any playing time in the AHL for Vancouver. We picked him up and then he went back to Sweden, I think in their second tier league. And he's like dominating it. Um, he's getting his confidence back, but now it's like, will he come back overseas? Mm-hmm. Like right now he has 54 points, 19 goals. Um, in 37 games in the uh, Swedish second division. Right. And he's 22. Like, that's really good. Good for him. I think he probably is up there leading the league. Uh, Do we want that in the Sharks? Like, yeah, I do. You know, like, why wouldn't you be a third line player? He was written as his skating as one of like his most um, uh, unique attributes as a prospect that most other players don't have. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there was a couple other players like, uh, you know, Chemilevsky and Chekovich who were rated pretty highly and have just not really done anything or shown that they're ready. And you just look down the list and it's like, no one else? Mm-hmm. Dylan Gambrell, you were a second round pick in like, what, 2015? And it's just like not happened. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it's going to happen for him here, maybe. You know, on the defense, we have Merkley, and that gives you hope. But he's still in year 19. He can't even play in the NHL until next season. Mm-hmm. 
at the AHL. He's not even allowed to until next season when he turns 20. And he's got a, a road ahead of him. And then with Burns and Blassett, or Burns and Carlson, like, do we need another player like that on our roster? Like, what's going to happen? Are we just going to trade him? Are we going to trade Burns? Because he'll be like 35, 36 at that time, and Merkley be like 21, 22, or something like that. There's a decent amount goalies. of questions ahead, yeah. It, yeah, and it's just like you—you you kind of see that like the Sharks, by just being where we are and like what our franchise is, is like we're not going to be able to like truly draft and develop and like rebuild from the bottom up for the long term. Because like I don't, you know, like we're just not going to be able to do that in San Jose. We're probably just going to have to continuously roll through, you know. Mm-hmm. And kind of retool every couple of years like we do. But the sad thing is, is doing operating that we did for so long is we tried to keep our window open for so long, committed to the same core, that it really just drained all of our prospects. Like if you look on our team right now, the only young players that seems like we drafted are Kane, Meyer, Hurdle, um, LeBanc. Everyone else is either a free agent and then all those people except for LeBanc were first-round picks Mm -hmm. over the course of 10 years and only like about three or four of them stuck. And a couple of them were traded for, you know, other players and stuff like that, but you would hope that there would be more than just like four picks on our roster, you know? Yeah. And then there's Ferraro in the back end, so we'll take that. Well... I'm sure we could go so, on. So you know, on I just hope that being we just uh, aren't as sad in the future. I think I would hope for them to maybe not commit to winning as much as we did for such an extended period. I think that's really ran the cupboards dry. I feel like maybe shorter cycles would be better. You know, so you're okay with missing the playoffs every three, four years? Not three or four, but like maybe not going all in literally every season, mm-hmm. you know, maybe sitting and waiting or selling a player or two every uh, three seasons or something, saying. you know, like just not like literally we were like all in from like 2010 to like 2019, mm-hmm. you know, literally for like a decade, we were all in. And when we weren't, it caught us off guard. Right. Yeah. But like, I think there could be a more natural like ebb and flow where we could see seasons of really trying to go all in and seasons of like, let's look forward and just, you know, not make specific moves to solidify our chances to get in the playoffs, but just, you know, see where you are, get in with our talent we have and, you know, recoup a little bit because you, you naturally have to do that mm-hmm. because it's unnatural to sustain winning at that cost for so long without any repercussions. Oh, of course. Which yeah, I mean, it's not going to be sustainable for anyone. And we're experiencing look, the... Look at Detroit Red Wings. I mean, they had 25 oh years, gosh, yeah. but they're just, like, really bad. So, yeah, it eventually caught up with them. It'll catch up with anybody. <clears throat> yeah, it's catching up with us, but not as drastic. Yeah, I mean, the Sharks, thankfully, have the chance to, to get back to their winning ways next season if things things get fixed, and hopefully they do, but... Hopefully. I'm I'm hoping for a miracle still this season. Yeah. Uh, a big turnaround. It would be a big, 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 big turnaround, but I'm not counting on that at all. So 
Anyway, well, thank you for uh, listening. Sorry for droning on extra long this time, listeners. Um, but we will catch you again probably in another uh, two, two, two to six weeks. <laughs> two to a year. <laughs> no, we have some Next vacations season. coming up. So, so maybe probably at the deadline or after the deadline. Yeah, we, we at least want to see the Sharks start playing better, right? Yeah. So we'll see how things go. Yep. Win it for Jumbo. <laughs> Win it for Jumbo. <laughs> and Patty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Catch you later, Go Sharks. Sharks. All right. Bye. Bye.